Welcome to 12 Questions. Yay! This is Anna Valenzuela. It is getting hot on the West Coast. I am very excited today to introduce my co-host and man with one of the greatest beards in comedy, Mr. Dave Yates. Uh, that's debatable. Uh, I've been keeping it short, though. I think that the, the, the days of the, the homeless beard comedian are over keep it close to the face i, think I like a, a short beard handsome. yeah uh, i gotta i mean i think i'm gonna devote my instagram to a, to becoming a thirst trap for the next six months so that's where i'm going i'm just letting y'all know where i'm heading kind of me too yeah, yeah. I, I honestly I, uh, my goal is ten thousand followers and if i gotta show a v-line to my peen i'm gonna do it papa's yes. got a headline Papa's got a headline someday. If you so. can get if you can get a V line to the peen, we're gonna make we're gonna put the twelve questions logo. We're gonna Photoshop that into the V line, okay, and yeah. that's gonna be our new thumbnail, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Check Dave it out. Apps. Dave Anyone with Anyone who's attracted to straight hairy men, check it out. Keep you it are, keep, keep it ready. You are you are underplaying that market, but. No, I'm not. I'm I'm literally honing in on that market for the first time in my life. <laughs> no, this is my goal. Like, I you think I'm kidding? I'm literally gonna thirst trap for the next six months. Well, I've already I, downloaded TikTok. We're ready. I, We're doing. I it. love it. I love it. So if you, um, that's beautiful. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, if you could please, before this turns into a um, a cameo only or a OnlyFans only recording, um, could you please read us our clarity statement? Our clarity statement. Oh no, I should have it already pulled up. It's okay, ladies. Welcome and gentlemen. to Twelve Questions Podcast, where our podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. That's all I got memorized. You know, you figured I would have it all memorized. You know what happened? I pulled up the 12Q ad copy script uh, instead oh. of the 12Q clarity statement. Um, and I was going to read the ad copy script like a real ding-a-ling. Here it is, guys. Three, two, and one. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay! Whoop, 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 whoop. And I'm very excited to interview our guest today uh, because we've just been having fun chats. I've been sharing the gospel of 
how to play with your Zoom settings. It's been very exciting. Who are we speaking with today? Today, you are speaking with me. My name is Pamela Mahler, and I am a person in recovery from a bunch of stuff. Love me some Pam. I haven't seen Pam in in the real life in quite some time. Um, No. No. Well, she was trapped in a basement in New York for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Trapped in a basement. Memoir coming soon. (laughs) I. Pam, I love it. I love it. Um, and and you're currently in uh, an above ground basement in uh, Philadelphia. An above ground. An above condo. ground basement. Yeah. <laughs> I love an above ground basement. I think that's very fun. <laughs> yes, I currently live in the suburbs in a little town called Wayne, like Wayne's World. I love Part it. It's time. not like Wayne's World at all. Excellent. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. What you well, been up to, Pam? Oh, what haven't I been up to? I mean, since when? How far back do you want to go? This week or this year? I mean, <laughs> each feel about the same length. Yeah, they so. feel equal right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I, I would say since the last time I saw you, Dave, I've probably changed careers twice. Um, uh I say that like I had like a clear career path. I switched things I was doing for money a couple times. (laughs) And and now I might have a career path. I like started writing. I was like, I'm going to, I didn't start writing. I started telling myself that I was going to figure out how to get people to pay me to write. Um, Same. I'm in school for that right now. I was like, I'm going to go to community. You know what? Fuck you. I'm going to go to community college. I'm going to get a certificate. I'm gonna get, go. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get job placement, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. You get it. You get it. Um yeah, no, I I went to school for that. I went to school to get a a bachelor's degree in English literature Ooh, with a minor nice. in philosophy. And I went, you know, when people go to college after high school, um, and then I forgot to finish because mm, of my yeah. drinking. Mm. I actually thought that I finished and then I, I had like a graduation party and everything. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't go that far. Oh no. I had, I had two graduation parties. I had the friend party and the family party. And, um, so a few years later I went to school in Manhattan and a few years later I was living in Manhattan kind of near my school. And I was like, you know, they never sent me my diploma. Let me go pick it up. And I stopped by and I was like, Hey, uh, I never got my diploma. And they were like, uh, yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> like, so I realized I didn't actually finish. So d- the pandemic, one of the silver linings for me was that I was able to go back to my alma mater, almost, almost mater. And, You're um, almost mater. Ah! Yeah, and finish. So as of like literally last week, I actually finally have a BA in English, which is still as useless as it was when I didn't finish, but I sure. feel better, you know? I feel Congratulations. like I, I finished. Did yeah, you a... had a third graduation party? I did actually, but like not, <sighs> not my friend, my friend threw it for me. It was like a couple of balloons, a cookie, you know, um, if you graduate college, you get a cookie, turns out. Like yeah. a big cookie or like a tiny cookie? It like a, was like a pizza cookie. Well, I'm more of, I'm a quality, not quantity person. 
turns out all day well (laughs) what i really am is i want quality and quantity of it but if i have to choose i'll choose quality um and so it was like the gifts of recovery baby because i still bullshit every time (laughs) i would say it was a cookie with like a three inch diameter and it said you are awesome on it so cookie didn't lie and uh yeah so i did that during the pandemic um i got engaged during the pandemic on a bridge you know which my now fiance actually bridge it was right on the border of pennsylvania and new jersey i'm hoping Mm. it was in pennsylvania you know what i'm saying yeah because you just (laughs) cursed yourself if one foot over the line (laughs) your fucking skin's gonna turn like tanning brown yeah 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 I don't gym tan laundry. I don't, I guess I do. GTL, I do two baby. of those things. I um, do. I do those things one at a time. Accidentally <laughs> all the time. I accidentally do laundry. I accidentally tan when I'm outside too long. And uh, sometimes I walk a long, long way. I like walking. It's meditative. Mm. It is lovely. Yeah. It is lovely. So I guess that's what I've been up to, you know, like building my life up because um, there were no, there were no concerts to go to. So I had no choice but to deal with my open ended shit. <laughs> yeah. Pam, Pam is of the uh, of the fish community uh, that I that we we love uh, the fellowship with the pH. pH. Pam. Yeah. That's, I'm how, a... we, that's how we know each other. That's oh, how wait, I, I meet on. a lot of different people who are like in different parts of the country and uh, just like a, a past guest caroline yep oh shit so for those listening uh and not looking at the yes. video uh, Pam has and stickers that we give I out to others. people at concerts uh and they're yellow and they that one said another dopeless hope fiend and then we're uh we're a one show at a time bunch so in most 12-step recovery you talk about one day at a time well the crusty wooks in recovery we're one show at a time baby yeah. I love how this has become a fish cast. Oh, no. <laughs> or a concert. A little... oh, well, we really stole it from the Grateful Dead, so they're yeah. the inspiration. Yeah, that's what's that's where it started was the Wharf Rats. But I will say this. Um, festivals, I mean, I know it's not a camping festival, um, but there is a sober camping crew called Camp Traction. Mm-hmm. Where they uh, they make deals with these big music festivals, where they get like a little slice of the campground for for families and clean and sober people. Oh, I love it! Yeah. I love it. This is why this is why this podcast is so great because we get to it is for everyone and everybody gets to kind of like experience the subcultures within the subcultures within the subcultures that we have, and how like what a vast and unifying and beautiful community it is and that we don't um all murder each other you know what i mean like we can all you can literally have all different types of humans you know of all different types of tie-dye come together and (laughs) and love one another which is which is fantastic i love that yeah i think anybody who only holds one recovery community is suspect like people that just hang out and hide in like young people's meetings or like those people that just hang out and hide in the 12 step fellowship in their city. It's like, that's such a small, like I remember when I first got sober in central Illinois, I thought that was the world. I Mm -hmm. thought Mm -hmm. Bloomington, normal Illinois, 
I thought that was the world and that everything started and ended there. And I really only felt better about recovery when I started going to meetings in other cities and towns and, and joining different sober music groups. You know, like I went to a music festival with 37 days and got introduced to the Happy Hour Heroes, which is the uh, band Mo uh, Sober Fellowship. Mo, period. Oh, I have to say period when I, I speak of Mo? So. I think I'm not sure. I thought you only had to write it. Oh, it's spelled maybe. lowercase m-o-e, period, <laughs> for those keeping score at home, the heady scorekeepers. Well, let's get into these They're questions. Let's get into these questions. We've gotten very specific. We've, we've gone down the, the wiki page. We're, we're killing it. How, Pam, how do you experience surrender? How do I experience surrender? I guess to me, for me, when I experience surrender, it feels like an exhale. <laughs> and um, I guess it's not an external thing. So I have to describe like what's going on inside of me when I realize that I have finally surrendered. Mm -hmm. um, and it really feels like you know that poster that was like in your classroom in second grade and it says a mind is like a parachute it works best when open um <laughs> surrender to me feels like the parachute opening it's like all of a sudden i enter a place where i i realize that i just don't know everything and i don't have all the pieces to every puzzle and it's usually after a time when um, my own will and thinking is failing me or I'm not really getting where I want to go. And it's like this light bulb goes on and I'm like, oh, I have resources. Like the entire world is also here. It's not just Pam versus life. There's like 7 billion people on the planet. There's plants and animals and deities and angels and dead grandmas and all kinds of people and things that could help me if I would just, you know, humble myself and ask. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is what surrender feels like. It's like stop muscling my way through a situation and take a step back and kind of just allow what's next to unfold become a little bit more of an observer than a doer you know like sometimes i just have to like sit back and be mm -hmm. uh and that that's a big part of surrender for me too like if i'm going a mile a minute it's just like take a breath you know go go sit and meditate for like 10 minutes and then start your day again see how different it is and mm -hmm. um so yeah, I think I think those are my surrender touch points. I love it. And I don't want to interrupt the flow of what's happening here, but if you could just do me a favor, you have um, the mic here. If you could just turn it up just a little bit so it'll catch less of your exhalation. Go All ahead right. and speak. I am speaking. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Go ahead and say breath. breath. Say breath, real breath. hard breath. Okay, that'll work. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it, I love it um continue dave you had a thing <laughs> um the the imagery of surrender that i've been using for myself right now is putting the spear and the shield down mm -hmm. just i'm walking around with a spear and a shield and i just need to put them down 
and let things happen. That is, I, uh, I was talking to my therapist this past Wednesday, and I was like, I've spent two years hating the God idea. I should maybe start mm-hmm. seeking again. He's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yay. And it's not, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a concrete God idea. I just like, I'm like, whatever, whatever you is. I just know you is. Mm-hmm. No, and that, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, just stop hating it and start just being curious again. That's, yeah. that's, that's as far as I've gone in the two years of grief and sh- shit tankery. That's, yeah. that's cantankerous shithead. If you want to know what words I was combining. Um, <laughs> well, uh, and, and, and you would, you would mention Pam before, like, and, and Dave's kind of speaking to like the insanity that comes with the lack of surrender and you had mentioned before i love just the cute the cute insanity can we say the benign insanity of thinking that you graduated having two parties and then being like no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh what's been some of your most insane moments either in or out of recovery my most insane moments in or out of recovery well i could name a couple out there were a couple at least out. Um, so there was a time when um, I broke up with my boyfriend and my friend broke up with her boyfriend at the same time. And so she she had to figure out how to pay her rent. She was living on the Upper East Side because he moved out. And I was like, well, I will come live with you because I need a place to live because I can't stand being with this guy I just broke up with. So I moved to her apartment and I slept on a an air mattress that was like always half deflated in the living room. And I was working two jobs and I'd have to like be up at 6 a.m. Uh, and then I would work from like 7 to 3 and then I'd have to go to my other job from like 4 to midnight and I would be drinking from like 9 a.m. on. And I would like, you know, go and be at a drug dealer in between jobs and like I would stay out with coworkers after my second job till like two or three in the morning and then I'd get back to the apartment at four and I'd have to get up at six again you know and I'd be like half asleep just like you know crunched up in that like stress ball of uh-oh I did it again um that was my best Britney Spears impression by the way uh oh yeah, there's two versions. It's like, oops, I did it again. And then there's like, oh, oops, I when you did buy it Britney, again. When you buy Britney Spears on Wish, it's uh-oh, I did it again. Uh-oh, I did it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was like my state of being. But in my mind, I was like, I've made it. I live in Manhattan and I work at Madison Square Garden. I worked at the concession stand. Um, And in my mind, I was like, I am like a big time baby. Like I live in New York City, like listening to my air mattress squeak out in someone else's living room. Like it was just so much um, like cognitive dissonance, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one of the times when I was like, I think I really need to like stop doing drugs. Can I talk about drugs on this podcast? Yes. People, that's what. About, if you don't talk about boofing, uh, we're deleting the episode. I didn't boof anything, surprisingly. You know, I got out before the boof, the boof yeah, rate. Ah, fucking Pam. Um, 
yeah, I, I used to buy Coke in these little glass jars, you know, you've seen them in the movies. And um, I would always, I like had to get the very last drop out all the time. And I like shattered one accidentally. And I tried to like scrape the Coke away from the glass and I was like, oh, well. And then I like probably snorted some glass. And that yeah. was one of the moments when I was like, this doesn't seem recreational anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not having fun because I'm worried that I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, and then let's say insane moments in recovery are uh, completely different and better. Yeah. I would say the most insane, I, I guess, you know, the word insane has so many meanings. You're like, yo, that was insane, man. Um, you know, most of the things that I've done in recovery have been sane, um, but they feel insane. So uh, mm. I would say the most recent one was when I got engaged. That that was an insane feeling. It was like an out of body experience. It was very, very, very wild. Um, and I loved it. It's one of my favorite days. And, um, and the, I would say the other most insane moment was when um, I got to do stand up comedy at a music festival in Mexico about one of my favorite bands and the guitar player came. And I was just like, this is because I'm sober. Like I would never have had the initiative right. to like do anything. I didn't start doing stand up at all until I got sober. I still, I mean, I just dabble really, but um, but that's one area where I've had like mild success, and that's um, it. Just felt like wow, I'm a creative person, and I can I can just have my my toe in a lot of pools and like enjoy my life fully and. And I didn't know that before I got sober. I thought that I was just like chasing the next party. Now the mm. listeners at, at home are going to want to know what was the band and who was the guitar player. Uh, the the band is called the Disco Biscuits, and their guitar player is named John Gutwillig. But you probably know him as Barber if you know anything about the Disco Biscuits. And if you do, I'm sorry. The Disco Biscuits, and as far as the jam band hierarchy goes. What? Uh, <laughs> Are the best band ever. I, you know, I, I smoked uh, a joint with the Disco Biscuits back in my using days when they parked their tour bus in front of my hotel that I was a bellman at. Hey. Uh, uh, their bass player. Uh, yeah, um, he likes weed. Uh, Brownie. Old, brown, old, old Brownie. Uh, popped his head out of the van, and I'm in my vest, gloves, whole nine yards. It's like a fucking four diamond hotel. And he pokes his head out and he's high as shit. I'm like, you guys smoking weed in there? He's like, yeah, come on up. So I went and smoked weed in the band in in the band's tour bus before I even knew who the Disco Biscuits were. And Flex. It, was, it was the whole the whole that band. That's cool. And they're like, have you heard of the Disco Biscuits? I'm like, kinda. I heard you guys got some <laughs> light shows, right? Yeah. And that was it. I was just like, just give me the free weed, Brownie. You're boring me. <laughs> That's not very nice. Yeah, and those the man the invited of... you in. He was hospitable to you. Yeah, and I didn't know, but it's was still it... a fun story. So were they like? I'm trying to think. So if they were, if they were a punk band, would they be mm. Blink 182? Would they be oh, no. the Bouncing Souls? Would no, they no. be? We can't, um... we can't even do this. Yeah, I don't know just... enough about punk. <gasps> okay. Um, so I'm gonna say, all right. If they were okay. a rapper, who would they be? Uh, uh, Danny Will Brown. Dickey. 
Danny Brown, Little Dicky, yeah. <laughs> Danny Brown and Little Dicky. So it's like as much Molly as Danny Brown does and as silly as Little Dicky. Okay. Like we're going yeah. to do that. Uh, but if in jam band terms, it's like uh, give fish a bunch of Molly and electronic sounds, but still mm. maintain like the jamming of like some almond brothers or some widespread panic they're like they're like the electronic jammy fish if 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 you were uh, there's people screaming at home listening to this right now but yeah i'm just explaining <laughs> it to a, a lay person yes uh, thank you people, uh people who... that are shitting in their fucking heady huggies <laughs> right now thank you thank you for explaining these things to me i was exposed to different types of music uh so this is all new and i appreciate it and it, it's great for the listeners that haven't uh experienced this stuff and uh want to be able to follow so i, I appreciate that it sounds like a ton of fun. It sounds like a ton of fun. Music's yeah. a lot of fun, and each each of the members also have like side projects and stuff that you can go to. Uh, who's their their drummer? Um, Alan. The disco bis- Alan. Yeah, there. Uh, he has his own like little side project. I went and saw that at an after show, and it was phenomenal. He's a phenomenal drummer. They're all phenomenal mu- musicians. They're just trying to make dancey good fun times. You fun know, times and, and you yeah. can make the decision to listen to fucking alan jackson your whole life or you could make the decision to like expand your mind and check out all the genres of music you know from disco biscuits to bts i like it all i like it oh, all i love it it's a decision it's a decision bts is k-pop right yes that's right yes yeah. <laughs> crushing there it. once was a time when i worked on a korean barbecue burrito food truck that was before i was sober oh so you're living the dream you were living there was the dream. A, a lot of k-pop now was that a step up or a step down from msg it was at the same time oh, shit. so i would what are you i was burning work... the burning the fucking wook candle at both ends. Yeah. i work in a food truck and yeah madison's work yeah it was like a lot to backstage you know all day mm-hmm I love it. I love it. So now that you're sober, Pam, how do you make decisions in your life? Uh, Impulsively? I don't know. (laughs) How do I make decisions in my life? That's interesting because I am on the precipice of making a big decision. And my first instinct is to avoid it because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, it certainly depends on the decision, you know, like, am I, what am I choosing? Like a, like a life path or like what's for lunch? I guess the answer that I would like to tell you is that like, I consult my innermost truth and if it's not a hell, yes, it's a hell no. But, um, I usually make decisions by... It's a, it's kind of like a conglomeration of actions that feed into the inevitable outcome. So what I mean by that is like, if I have a big decision to make, I usually start journaling about it. Um, and I actually will pray, which is like not a thing that I'm very good at, but when I'm really stuck at a crossroads, like I'll just, I'll just talk to whoever's listening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and to that end, I also will like call a bunch of people and, you know, talk, talk at them about it. 
that, sometimes that's my, I my preferred methodology is um, consult the people I trust. Yeah, I, I talked to my therapist. I used to talk to my parents, but I don't do that anymore because they never really give me what I'm looking for. I think as parents, at least mine, um, they're too fearful of what could happen to me to like support any kind of risk. Like I still have this resentment against my dad that I've written out like 90 times because when I was first in college, I wanted to major in philosophy and he like talked me out of it. And he's like, what are you going to do with philosophy degree? And I still, to this day, like now that I finished my bachelor's, I'm like, maybe I'll go get a master's in philosophy. Like I still want that. I have a yearning for it. Um, do it. I'm not your parents, but I say do it. Cause I'm like, okay. I say, if you're, if you're called to it, it's your true North, you'll find a degree, you'll find a, an occupation that matches that. And if anything, comedians, I, I mean, you they are a comedian. You want to be a really good writer. You want to be an author. You need to understand philosophic principles. Like you need to be able, you the need to know. Journey, know. It is literally every fucking movie. Yes. And also my, um, my, I was talking to my, my, my partner the other day and he, um, he was a linguistics major. And I asked him, we were talking about just base interpersonal communication. And I said, um, I said something to the effect of like, well, what, lo like, what logical fallacy is that is happening here? Like, and I was like, you know, it would be good to at least be aware of like, you know, the logical fallacies going into conversations like that. So you can identify like deflections and stuff kind of blending like what I know from psychology to, to, to my speech and debate background. And, and he was like, I don't know when I took philosophy, I took the philosophy of language. And I was like, what? <laughs> they didn't teach you. They didn't teach you about critical thinking. <laughs> Such a shame. The, the, a the shame. cat in the box is dead in his <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah doesn't matter yeah well because you know it's like it and i think that philosophy offers a lot of you know fantastic critical thinking skills that can lend themselves to any occupation you choose whether you're you know a ceo or whatever you know it's like stand-up comedian television writer you can do it all well thank you anna you're welcome thank you can play you. that for your dad i will i will yeah, we'll, we'll i will skip over the part bite. with the cocaine like this is my new mom telling me I can. Uh, but it sounds like you've learned a lot about yourself to even come to the conclusion that that's something you might want to pursue further one day. Um, what would you yeah. say the most surprising thing you have learned about yourself thus far is? The most surprising thing I have learned about myself. You know, I glanced over the questions when you first sent them to me and this one popped out to me because I was like, I don't know if there were any real surprises, but there were some, there was a self acceptance mm. that I did not have and accepting myself has been very nourishing. And I guess that was a surprise because I had spent a lot of my life truly like rejecting myself um, and my wants and my needs. And I would like play the martyr and the victim and, and anything except for just Pam, you know, like mm -hmm. who's Pam? I don't know. I just had like a lot of rotating 
masks and personalities and uppers and downers and in-betweeners that made up who Pam portrayed herself to be. Um, and in recovery, I have had the joyous opportunity to really just know who I am. Um, and, you know, some of the things that are true about me that I used to try to hide are some of like the most important parts of my life now. Like you will may laugh, um, but like I, I am kind of like high maintenance. I have a lot of wants and needs to feel good and to be good. Um, Can I reframe that for you? I'm only laughing sure. because you said you may laugh. I'm high maintenance. <laughs> that's. You're, I think that's I, what Anna's trying to do. She's trying to reframe it for you so it doesn't. You're like, just to let you know. No, I actually don't think. Okay, so describe first off. Just come over. I am now Lucy and Peanuts. Tell me, what do oh. you consider high maintenance? I just have a very particular taste for things. Like I have this dead sea salt scrub that like I can't live without, and like I I I won't let myself be without it. Also, I I'm like very into yeah all kinds of body care products. I I'm like the Little Mermaid. I'm like oh you want serums? I've got plenty. Um, you know like my I combing your hair with a dingle hopper. We all know the drill. Yeah, exactly. I have a crab who's a friend that sings. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> my, I like get my hair done and it costs like an arm and a leg to get my hair done. And I, I know that other people like live without those things and are happy, but like I wouldn't be. So I've just accepted that I need to spend $40 on lotion and it makes me happy. Yeah, but like that's the thing. It was why does why does self care to whatever degree mean yeah. high maintenance? Because like, I'll well, buy myself a video game every once in a while, and yes, I'll be thirty five in a couple days. Hmm. But that's self care to me. Yeah. It's like I'll I'll spend sixty dollars every once in a while to play a game for a hundred hours. Because when I get off the road and I don't want to think at nighttime, like I'll play a video game, and that's self care. You know. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I just want you to know that I have found that I am particular in almost every area of my life. And so in that way, I just sometimes, I don't know, I, I get feedback from other people that I, I am high maintenance. Are you, <laughs> hold on, uh, question, yeah, are you I'm a just Virgo trying to welcome you into the fold of like, I don't think what you like yes. and enjoy to make you feel good is fucking high maintenance has such negative connotations. Yes. So oh, see, I it, don't think so. See, I'm actually just going to reclaim you're to, you're, high yeah, maintenance. You're to bring, yeah, we're bringing it back. We're, yeah. we're reclaiming it. I'm reclaiming high maintenance and I'm, I'm high maintenance. Like, you know what? Wasn't it Kim Kardashian who said something like, oh, you know, about, about the Ferrari? Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. It was something about how, you know, she compared herself basically to like a Ferrari. And so you would take really good care of a Ferrari, wouldn't you? And so it's just like, I'm high maintenance because that's what this yeah. requires. Yeah. You know, but and if it, you don't like it, you can, I don't know, I, go I hang would out say, with a Honda. I, yeah, I, I would honestly, say. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this more palatable. And you just keep leading into like, um, my body is a Maserati. I'm and sober, no! not perfect. Okay, it, Dave? It, it needs. <laughs> uh, 
premium feel. No, um, it does. It does. It's a full synthetic blend of oil. Is this an organic I, smoothie? What, yeah. More ethically treated smoothie beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, I, I actually, and I, I think I agree with both of you. I love that you celebrate it. I have a joke right now where I talk about how my nose is really big, but I'm celebrating it. I'm like, this is yeah. the nose of Aztec royalty. You know, you should, you should be sacrificing yourself at the feet of my altar. I am a goddess. Like, and, and, I would. and it, thank you. And, but also I, I think pulling the, like the native connotation out of it, of like, cause patriarchy says that like, I, I don't know if it's patriarchy, but it's just we have this perception of like self-care being like bad or, you know, for example, I went on a trip and I have uh, wavy curly hair and wavy curly hair takes a lot of it takes a different type of maintenance than straight hair. And I sleep in a bonnet. So most of the time I sleep in a bonnet and every woman on that trip who's got, you know, who's never had beans and rice hair, regardless of what beans and rice culture you come from. Um, she, they all were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm doing what my hair needs. That's what I'm doing. I don't want to have some like dried out, fucked yeah. up, crazy hair by the end of this trip. And it's just easier for me to maintain the, the, I have girl, girl, me and the ordinary, mm. Mm, me and that, me and that, 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 you know, I've, I got my serums, I got my tinctures, I got my, I got all my stuff for my skin and my hair. And, mm -hmm. and I'm allowed those things because I deserve those things. When I first got clean, I didn't even think I deserved like seeing the dentist. I remember seeing the dentist for the first time and he was like, mm -hmm. I have to ask you a question. I was like, it was like, did anyone when you were growing up encourage you to floss? And I was like, no, no one taught me how to take care of myself. And he was mm -hmm. like, okay, um, I'm gonna get you some floss picks. I want you to think like, are you worth it to have a nice expensive toothbrush? Like think think about investing in your health and in your body. And and that was such a powerful moment for me, you know? And um, so like, I actually think you're you're treating yourself with a lot of love and you're owning what makes you feel happy. You know, I love geeking out on curly hair stuff. I call it the keto diet of your body. Like I love geeking out on skincare stuff, you know, uh, those Reddit threads of like r slash skincare addiction, like curly hair. Like I love I can't read Reddit. It's like I had to learn so how to crunchy. read it. I can't handle it. I had to like learn how to read it for these things because I was like, I really want to know this stuff. And so like, like, you know, and, and now I can go into a hairdresser and literally inform them as to what my hair needs rather than rather than them telling me. I'm like, oh no, no, no. I know you think that expensive stuff's gonna work for me, but I use all black owned you know, company products. And when I use those products, they actually are better for my hair. So <laughs> I usually just sit yeah. down in the chair. Yeah. Her shirt says Inspired Inspired by a black woman. Yes. I buy all kinds of stuff from black owned businesses. That's part of my job. And Latinx <laughs> owned businesses and like like one of the skincare yeah, things I can there's uh there's a uh uh something Salma Hayek uses in her skincare line, but you can just buy the ointment over the internet. It's Tesapuite and it's Tesapuite. used for it's used for burns. It's a mm. it's a root used for burns and it is an excellent night cream. And it really, if you think about it, Selma Hayek's had a touch of work, not all the work, right? Mm -mm. She looks amazing. So if she yeah. told me to put my face in a cow patty, I'd put my face in my fucking cow patty. Well, that's where the mushrooms are. 
That's, yes. that's, that's, that's so. I, I put my face <laughs> not in many a cow patty. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, I think that, like, you know, there's, there's little things you can, it's, I think that's fine. Celebrate that's yourself. That's also being honest with yourself. That, that is honesty. And yes. honesty is just like, I like things that make me feel good. And those things are different from your things. And yeah, that's so okay. it's real. And it's How? okay to like what you like specifically. Because I have some people that are always trying to convince me to use their stuff. And I'm like, no, this works for me. And they're like, but yeah. my stuff. And I'm like, your codependency is too loud right now. It works yeah. for me. I appreciate I taking in the information. I'm not being rigid. I'm taking in the information. However, this works for me. Anyway, continue, Dave. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> well, we thank you for sure supporting my best self. Yeah. I think both of us, Anna and I, just want to reframe the word high maintenance and yeah. yeah it's like i have i have higher standards for how i take yeah. care of me today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. when i used to put drugs in my asshole a hundred percent sue me for thinking higher of myself today and that takes honesty and that is our next question how honest are you with yourself and others <sighs> wow um pretty honest i feel like if i'm not being honest with something or like about something it's because i haven't fully realized it yet like i'm in a state of denial or like not fully grasping or understanding something mm -hmm. um but anything that i am conscious of i i have the capacity to be honest about like when i first got sober this is funny because you were just talking about when you first went to the dentist um i first got sober and you know one of my first orders of business was, was like i was going to go to the doctor and get checked out and mm -hmm. everything and i i was also going to go to the gyno because i had to get a lot of like std tests when i was drinking and stuff because those <laughs> went together for me and so i went and i found this new gyno and I don't know. It must have been in like the questions that they ask you when they do an intake. You know, they ask you if you've ever done, if you've ever drank or smoked weed or something. And I was like, oh yeah, I did a ton of drugs. And like, <laughs> I just went down the laundry list of all the things I had ever done. And this woman's like typing them into the computer and I could just see her eyes being like, this person's insane. And I was like, don't worry though. Right after this, I'm going to go help a newcomer over at the clubhouse. And like, I totally have this under wraps. Like it's all good. And, um, I don't feel the need to completely overshare anymore, but I have mm. the capacity to be honest anytime that it's applicable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You just said something that like, that yes you just captured something that i've experienced in that like mm -hmm. i was an oversharer mm -hmm. um and and now i can i can share like but i don't have to um spill and that, in fact that's an indicator that the character defects where the anxiety and the fear is kicking up as if i'm just like blah, 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 all the time when, so when keeping it real goes wrong yes yeah, yeah, yeah. yes 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 I, I i like that i like that yeah. And I think, you know, early on too, it's, it's definitely a defense mechanism because like, well, if I tell everyone that I don't drink and I don't, you know, and like, it's like everyone knows, so there's no confusion. And like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't need everyone watching me anymore. I'm on pretty solid ground in my yeah. recovery. I yeah. Just do the things that you do all day, every day to, to not pick up a drink. 
Yeah. And that's good. That's good to like analyze, like, where does that oversharing come from that like abuse of honesty? Where does that come from? And, mm -hmm. you know, like for me, it's very much an issue of like fear and anxiety. I'm trying to control the narrative that's in front of me. And, mm -hmm. um, well, how, how do you, how do you experience fear and anxiety? Oh boy. That's, that's a complicated question. Can I phone a friend? Can my therapist come too? I would love for um, your therapist to come. That would be hilarious. Me too. She's, <laughs> she's a doll. Um, so it, actually, the pandemic was really the first time that I've ever had to go on medication for depression and anxiety. I started having like very frequent panic attacks um, accompanied by this really annoying um, sensation that I needed to clear my throat and I would clear my throat all day long, all day. It, it was awful. Um, and it took a, a lot of doctors to be like, I think it might be anxiety. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Cause I'm going nuts. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Sounding like a cat giving up a hairball. Yeah. I guess, you know, fear often comes it comes down to really like the voices in my head and it's often about what other people think of me still to this day. It's like these thoughts in my brain um, that are like, well, if I do this, what will they think? And if I do this, what will they think? And if I do this, what will that person think? And it's like, I have to constantly remind myself that external validation is not like, the gold medal you know it's it, internal fulfillment and you know mm -hmm. spiritual realization and self-actualization and you know all these great lofty wonderful things that sober humans can do um and like you know creative pursuits and relationships that are meaningful like those are those are the gold in life for me yeah um uh and fear so i i have a pretty intense mindfulness practice and I've worked with a a mentor for the last like six years and with that she has taught me a lot about getting very clear on like the thoughts and sensations in my mind and my body and my external atmosphere and my internal atmosphere and like how those things interact um and when I get in touch with the fear voice in my head, it is, and I like give it space to express itself. Almost always, it is some part of me that wants to protect me from getting hurt. And I actually have had, like I out loud will assure the voice in my head or in my heart or wherever I think it's coming from that, you know, submitting a story to a publication is a healthy risk and we're not going to get hurt and it's going to be okay and like sometimes i have to assure the scared little girl inside of me i have to remind her that like oh don't worry like i'm 35 i'm a grown-up i can vote i can be president if i wanted to like i have so much agency in this world and i have like reaffirmed the little scared parts of me that like adult sober Pam is here too and you know she has a lot of a lot of skills 
and yeah. can and can face the fears that those smaller, less informed parts of me um, have. Yeah. Anxiety, I feel like, is more of a physical sensation. Anxiety is the feeling that I get before a job interview. It is sweaty and everything, all of my clothing feels tight and my face feels red and hot. And I'm always worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing and not be good enough. That's what anxiety feels like. And anxiety for me is a little bit harder to combat than fear. Um, but I'm a work in progress. And Zoloft is chill. Girl. <laughs> 50 milligrams represent. Um, oh, I got 100. <laughs> girl. Oh, after this weekend, I had, a, I had a moment where I love the way that you broke down um the difference between fear and anxiety for yourself which is is brilliant because it is i've been working uh, i've been uh, on a six and seven step for 100 years now and uh, the seven step in what's interesting when i speak to my sponsor her question to me is always what's the fear what's the fear you know what are you trying to protect yourself from and mm -hmm. that's really what the bulk of my character defects are um based on is just different ways to protect myself the question is is am i aware of when i'm in a state of fear and so many times in my life i haven't 100 percent been aware that i am in a state of fear of anxiety or anxiety i just know that i'm overwhelmed or that um, something external i start to externalize what needs to change um or i start to um you know, I just start to to numb out in a way that doesn't make uh, a lot of sense for me in my life. And it's usually a self-protection mechanism. And so I, I think what's natural is for people to experience fear, right? Fear keeps us from getting hit by cars. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it is natural to experience fear, but it's addicts have a, a tendency to experience fear at inappropriate times, like mm. turning in, taking an appropriate risk and not appropriate risk. Somebody asked me this weekend, the difference between, uh, somebody asked me like, what's the difference between like clinical, like the question was like, so what's the difference between like clinical diagnosable anxiety and like not, um, and, and just like anxiety. Cause you know, you're supposed to have a little bit of anxiety every day. And I'm like, are you? I mean, I, mean, I, I would guess... say anxiety is a natural response to things, but I don't like no. to have it or not Dang. have it. I think that, yeah, you can be a little anxious. At the, at, and, and also, like, I'm not afflicted with an anxiety disorder. Sure. So the fact that someone out there might have a little anxiety every day because of the way their sure. chemistry is made up, completely possible. Six. But do yeah. I let my defects of character crank up those natural defense mechanisms to a degree where they impede my growth and my way of life you know and i think that's right the balance of it all exactly it's defending ourselves with the wrong tools you know what i mean mm. it's like trying to spot a fly with a gun i love that <laughs> i mean have you seen those salt guns though that shoot flies those are no. the shit no. Yeah, there's a there's a salt gun specifically made to shoot flies, and it's like a little plastic like assault rifle, and I think it's called Fly Assault. And you put salt in it, and you aim it at the fly, and it shoots a burst of salt, and it kills the fly because it's like it the fly can't avoid the like 
hundreds of tiny salt particles and it just so is there going to be an affiliate link on the website (laughs) we are sponsored by assault rifle for fly assault fly Fly assault Assault. we're not not sponsored by assault rifles not yet That's wild. That's wild. What are like? What are the character defects like? Spe- like because fear and anxiety are kind of the engines, and you have such a strong grasp of the difference between fear and anxiety and how you experience it. Like, what are the character defects you're still working on in your life? Oh boy. Oh, or ones boy. that you've had a hard time letting go of. Because I'm like, I, I I discover new character defects all the time. I'm like, bitch, that's crazy. You've been doing yeah. that this whole time. No <laughs> yeah i guess um i'm i'm jewish so i don't know and that's what i'm working on no i'm just kidding um, <laughs> there's that, um you know they talk about like the seven deadly sins but i don't know them like that because they don't teach us that at hebrew school um but <laughs> the things that um have been like perpetually showing up in my life are like low self-esteem mm. and I'm like a confident person now in a lot of ways, but I, from my very first fourth step, so many of my resentments stem from my unwillingness slash inability to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning how to do that on a more regular basis. I mean, like recently, this is, this is embarrassing, but it's fun. Um, uh, Adam and I, that's my fiance, we went to a Dunkin' Donuts drive through and I got my coffee and it was made incorrectly. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go in and have them fix it. But instead of asking them to fix it, I stuck my whole arm into the garbage can so they wouldn't hear me throw it away. And then I just ordered a new one and paid for it again because I was too scared to say, I asked for unsweetened French vanilla and you gave me sweetened. It was too scary for me to say that. I know you're looking at me like, wow. No, I get it. I get it. I've done that. I've done I mean, that. It's I mean, like, I'm like, it's be- fine. You're better than me. I'll just consume the beverage I didn't order and go on about my day because I don't want it. Cause I'm like, their day is already shit without my mm-hmm. dumb ass. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's like yours is, I think, a little bit closer to appropriate. Just get the thing you want. Me, I'm just like suffer through the thing that you didn't ask for. That's me. Oh, that's well. my insanity. But it is okay, too, to go in and say like, you know, I can usually Bitch, remake my shit. But I, I always say it like this. I'm like, hey, baby, I understand you. You probably busy as hell today, but I hate to tell you this. I ordered this unsweetened. It came or it came sweetened. Can I get another one? And usually they're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. You know, I know I, I used to be a barista like people would. I, and I wouldn't be like, curse you who wanted Splenda. I would just be like, oh, yeah, sure. My bad. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, and one I also have had a really long arduous relationship with is uh jealousy and Mm -hmm. envy i have a story that i tell to myself about myself that i have tried to shake um but you know it's i had a confusing childhood when it came to money i mean not that anyone has like a very clear understanding of money growing up but like 
I first lived in a town where it was like a very low income neighborhood and everyone mm -hmm. just seemed kind of like the same. Um, and it was like a very, uh, it was a diverse neighborhood. It was just like, it was where I lived. And I just thought mm -hmm. that's how the world was. Um, and my parents got divorced when I was 10 and um, I moved into an apartment on the outskirts of a very, very wealthy town. Like literally, if you crossed my street, you were in a different school district. So we like got into the school district by the skin of our teeth. But like, I wasn't like these people. They had like three country clubs and it was all like, mm -hmm. it looked, I was like in a 3D J crew catalog. It was just mm -hmm. like boat shoes and khakis and all of this like golfy stuff. And, and with that were like lots and lots of very, very wealthy people. And I just didn't feel a part of because like, I didn't have that experience at mm -hmm. all. Um, so for a long, you know, in my formative years, you know, like there's never a more important time for a girl to have a $500 purse than seventh grade. <laughs> and like, um, and I didn't have one. And, uh, and I truly like it, it really, it affected me because it seemed like all of my peers just had this, like this never ending wealth. And, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have that. But then I also think that, you know, like being the poor girl in a rich town in a New York city suburb, like there's a lot of parts of the world that I would not like to live in. And I had everything that I needed and most of the things that I wanted. So I've had this very like confusing, um, financial understanding of myself and life and like what is money and that's like another mm -hmm. area I'm really working on right now is like my relationship to money and what it means and how important is it and all is, that is stuff. money a form of validation and status and, and worth or is it just like is it just an accumulation of something yeah. we've decided is a currency I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I can't wait to, I want to continue because I'm, I'm really learning a lot from what you're saying because I have a, I have a class difference in a relationship of mine and like, and there is, I have, I experienced a lot of those feelings now where I'm just like. Yeah. I, I, I just like, yeah. yes, I, to your point, like for a long time, I, I equated money, like lots of money with like i don't know like winning you know just like being being the best being the top having everything you want and um and wanting that and being like i'm so close to it look at all these people around me that have it and i don't you know and just I've, i'm trying to decenter myself in that story now um i forgot how we got on this oh jealousy and envy so yeah i've spent a lot of time jealous of quote unquote rich people and i also i spent i could probably do a bit about this how i spend some of my time not less than i used to but i would look at what rich people buy with their money and i would just think like oh they're doing it wrong i would be so much better at being rich and here's how yeah i still <laughs> believe that i'm like what do you why would you spend your money on that you're a lunatic like I, i'll still think that it's like why would you spend all that money on a ferrari when you can get a really dope Chevy Nova for like a half of that. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, so yeah, I have had jealousy and envy issues. They are a lot better now, but like all good character defects, they will pop up from time to time and I'll go, Hey old friend, it would be cool to be rich. You're right. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. And the last one I barely want to touch on is gluttony because um, I'm not doing anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, is do I need to buy every serum I read about? Do I need to? Probably not. I told myself, you got to work your way through some of the hair creams before you buy more hair creams. Yeah, there, there's a moderation there. I can moderate my creams. I can stop anytime I want. <laughs> Unless it's cheese, I cannot moderate the cream cheeses. I actually, I'm working with a nutritionist, and the other day she was like, so I feel like dairy is a trigger for you, and I was like, you shut your mouth. Yeah, she- <laughs> so you shut your whore mouth. Fucking yeah. all the cheese. I had a I had a a doctor tell me because I have all these digestive issues and she was like, well, you might want to consider cutting out caffeine. Fuck you. No. And dairy. And I was like, bitch, I already don't eat gluten. So you got to. And this is what I told her. I said, you got to pick of the three. You get to pick one. (laughs) You got to pick one because I'm not doing all the other things that that is crazy to me. Yeah, I would. If someone told me I couldn't do caffeine or cheese anymore, I would step into oncoming traffic. <laughs> and I'm not talking take. I'm talking other dairies. You can get rid of them. Yeah, Yogurt, that's true. I don't milk. need milk. I don't need no. milk. And I, but you, you fucking come for my cheese. Cheeses. Yeah. I like ice cream I, too. I'll drink. I'll drink again. I, I like an ice cream. <laughs> I like an ice cream. But if you yeah, come I feel my, that. You, if you come for my cheese, I'll drink again. Well, you know, cheese, right. cheese and chocolate work on the exact same dopamine receptors mm-hmm. as um, opiates. I'm not a fan of chocolate. Opiates. Not a fan of chocolate. Cheese, though. I love I'll, chocolate. I like sweet things. Like, I'll eat it, but, like, I don't have a sweet tooth. Like, like me and my oh, yeah, I'm a, eat I'm a savory together, person, that's, like, too. like, a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. But she's a savorer. I can't. Like, I fucking, I eat string cheese. I chomp it. I don't pull Ugh. it. Ugh. Ugh. I chomp the cheese. You all can fucking blow me, okay? Because I will chomp that cheese. Are we gonna talk cheese? I'm not gonna long. do that. Are we gonna talk cheese? Because no if time. we're talking, if we're talking about what's no Gouda, time. it has to be aged string. at least a thousand days. You know what I mean? Like you, you gotta. I go to Wisconsin and I step into oh, the cheese smoked. hut and I say, "Hey, give me the stinkiest cheese mm-hmm. that you have in the fucking place. Give me the cheese that you have a hard time selling to anybody else but 94-year-old men. That's the cheese that I would require. Wait, Dave, would you eat that cheese that has the live maggots in it? Of course. Yeah, why not? All right. I would watch that. Uh, you ever need to so make a little my catch. Instagram is going to be cheese and thirst traps. That is cheese, what I, cheese thirst traps. What's the difference? Yeah, cheese, cheese <laughs> my and thirst traps. I do have to say, uh, having having close relationships with rich people does increase your cheese knowledge because uh, rich people love a oh, fine yeah. cheese. You know, like yeah, they're I not know shit about brie until I moved to that town. Yo. <laughs> Yo, I just same. Like all the cheese, though. I like a <laughs> sharp. I like a sharper, harder cheese. I like a harder cheese. I like. Okay. A, I like as sharp as you can fucking make it. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. I don't care about the name or the price. Just give me all the cheese. That is, yeah. I don't care. Just I, I'll sometimes go to the store and just look and be like, I've not tried that cheese before, and I'll grab it. You guys didn't grow oh, up wow. in California, but there used to be a California. Um, 
lottery commercial that used to, it was just the POV of a man pushing a cart in a grocery store. And he looks at the cheese section and he goes, I can buy all this cheese. <laughs> and then it's, it's, and then it's like California lottery. That was the whole ad. And I was that like, is well, this is, that is the epitome of wealth and class. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I can buy all this cheese. <laughs> Amazing. Cheese now that, that's well, a rich well. person I respect. Yeah. That guy's making wise choices. Buy good cheese buy good cheese mm. yeah mm. i had a weird experience over the weekend where um i was at a very rich person's house over the weekend and they've throughout quarantine been hiring a person to come in and do their nails once every two weeks do their nails and do mani pedis and they have a dinner party usually and they'll have a friend over and they'll have this woman come over and do mani pedis and i'm sitting there and she's she's a very nice lady and i'm getting my nails done they look great i was gonna say your nails look done they looked I done. thought they looked great too. Thank you. Getting my nails done. And I kept saying to the woman, would you like a glass of water? We had brownies earlier. Would you like a brownie? Could I offer you something? Because I was a little bit like uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was the one making it weird. I was like, are you all right? Can I do your nails? Would you like a massage? <laughs> that's the, yep. And that's the thing with people with wealth and class, like they don't think that way. Me, when the movers come, I'm like, can I get you a beer? or a beverage i don't even have beer but i'll go get you some beer if you want a beer like i have to offer you something yeah if you're helping me or if yeah. i'm paying you to do something for me i still have to offer something so i don't feel like a piece of shit. same um, which we is not real but i also don't think we're wrong well they know well, what yeah. the job they're doing is like they're getting paid to do a job it'd be like it you know it's like I don't know. It's for me. I just don't want them to think that that I have all this money to hire people and that I don't care whether you're thirsty or hungry. I just want you to get in and get out of my fucking house. Right. And I think it's detaching yourself from the idea of um, what other people think. You had mentioned that uh, before, Pam, like like, you know, focusing on what other people think. I will quote my sponsor, the great Kathy C, who we will have on at some point. Fuck them. They're trash. Um, <laughs> she, 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 I'll be like, but what if those people think this about me? And she'll be like, fuck them. They're trash. It doesn't matter. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, and that cracks me up so much every time. Cause I'm just like, you know, here's this woman with 33 years and her best response to what will other people think of me is fuck them. They're trash. Don't worry about it. You're fine. <laughs> but, see, there's fuck them. They're trash. And then there's like, I forgive them for being trash. What? <laughs> That's what the, page that's the, is that on? Let's, it's, if, you, if you tear open the spine of some of the literature in 12-step recovery, you're going to find a lot of things. It's in the traditions, uh, I think. I think it's in the oh, traditions yeah. or the concepts. <laughs> yeah. There, there are the lost pages. Uh, like, it's not a relapse if you boof it. The loophole is the poop hole. That's the lost mm -hmm. pages. Loophole is the poop hole. Can I that's tell you, Dave, it's been five days since I vaped, and there was a moment when my oh, no. stressful weekend was happening where I woke up and I thought, can I boof nicotine vape? Like, if yes. I went and got... You sure can. No, I, would that be a relapse just, if I boofed just, it? No, <laughs> just, just kick your little leggies behind your head and just fucking eyedropper that shit in your starfish it's gonna absorb into your skin and in your bloodstream and you're gonna be flying high on 
Welcome there to 12 was... Questions Podcast, where we have no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol, <laughs> unless... We're kidding. We're kidding, unless by the way. I did not vape, and I did not, and, I, and by vape, I mean nicotine vape. Uh, I did not put um, nicotine that tastes like um, donuts in my butthole. I did not do it. I just thought about it seriously That's for, for the 20 Patreon, minutes. That's that is for the though. Patreon. That is for the Patreon. Pam, how do you experience <laughs> forgiveness in your life? There's no other way to get into the next. There question. is no. There's no way to transition. Way we went down such a beautiful, a beautiful tirade. We went. We so went I, deep in the butthole. Now, how do you experience forgiveness, Pam? Ah, uh, well, I'll bring it back to my meditation mentor again, because in early recovery, um, I, I just had so much guilt. Like I was, I, I had a friend who was not in the program. I'm like, I, I knew her, but we weren't particularly close. And when I told her I got sober, she was like, yeah, that makes sense. You're just one of those guilt-ridden people. And I was like, oh, how dare she? Um, but I was. I was always feeling really guilty anytime I drank or did anything. And that carried on into my first few years getting sober. And my mentor gave me this forgiveness mantra there's a long version and a short version. I'll try to do the long version. Uh, and it's, it's just like a three-part mantra, and you repeat it over and over again, you know, as you meditate. I like to walk. I, or when I lived in the city, I walked a lot, and I would just walk and, like, repeat the, the forgiveness mantra. And it's like, um, for any harms I may have caused, knowing or unknowingly, through my words, thoughts, and actions, can you forgive me? For any harms you may have caused, knowingly or unknowingly, through your words, thoughts, and actions, I forgive you as best as I am able. For any harms I may have caused, knowingly or unknowingly, through my words, thoughts, and actions, I forgive myself. Um, and if you want to do the short one, it's just, I forgive you. Do you forgive me? I forgive myself. And I would like think yeah. of people and situations that made me feel like so guilty and ashamed and I would just practice this forgiveness mantra and I don't know something about the repetition again I'm Jewish but I know they tell you to do Hail Marys or something if like mm -hmm. you're bad at church um and I and maybe there's something to that um just there's like, a whole necklace called a rosary and all the balls are fucking different prayers oh. that you got to say a different amount of times in order to be cleansed of your sinny sin sins Oh, well, I've never done that. That's the function that. of a rosary. Does anybody, am I just blowing your minds? Like the rosary is for Yeah, prayers. My, my, my dad's family was Catholic, but I was not raised uh, Catholic. Mm -hmm. I was raised uh, listening to Joseph Campbell audiobooks. Uh, well, that's so, about the same. Yeah, so uh, there was a different, uh, I, I was unaware of that each bead was a prayer. That yeah, makes sense. Each, yeah, and an amount too. So uh, to do the rosary, uh, my 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 grandma would do the rosary and you start at the one end of it and you work your way through it and so like there's like 10 beads to get to this one bigger bead and then you get to the next bead and you make your way around the whole rosary and then the last few are different prayers so each bead and you would repeat the prayers over and over again so like the first 10 beads are hail marys and then the next mm -hmm. 10 beads are like the contritions and you know and then you make your way around the whole that's the whole point of the rosary is like a fucking abacus for guilt how <laughs> how long does this take 
yeah, maybe oh, I should hours. get one. Hours. Oh. Do you yeah. think you'll have an affiliate link for that below the assault rifle? Rosaries <laughs> and bug assault rifles. Uh, uh, you heard it here first. Uh, the, the, the merchandise king of the road will be selling bug assaults and edible rosaries. How about that? How about you just eat each of them? Each of them. <gasps> edible rosary rosaries. cheese balls. Yeah. Boof your yeah. way to heaven. That's right. Boof. Yeah. Boof or your way to anal heaven. bead rosary beads. Well, are they very exorcist-ish. Yeah. yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I guess you didn't know how deep Catholicism fucks people up mentally. No, I know. I My dad was my dad. I, I know. Yeah, I know, but I was it's there. deeper. It's I was like, <laughs> the fact that you didn't know the rosary shit, like that, that to me is one of the most insane parts of Catholicism is the actual, like, you see rosaries in pop culture and people wear them around the wrists or Madonna puts one in herself when she's on stage that's what she did right with a rosary no. wasn't there a controversial thing what is this this riff is coming <laughs> you from 19 are you not are you are you dennis miller in 1986 who are you right now <laughs> less than kid <laughs> anyway no my dad uh my dad had all the guilt and all the shame and none of the ritual so there was no relief it was just <laughs> just he was a dry Dry Catholic, a dry Catholic, <laughs> a dry Catholic, and a and a and a member of a twelve step program. He was killing it. Uh, but but th th that is fascinating, and and I think that like you know our way of experiencing forgiveness ritual in in twelve steps is getting to like amends, and that's always like cause for discussion, right? Because there's always mm -hmm. like some sometimes it goes good sometimes it goes bad most of the time it's really mm -hmm. powerful like what's been the most interesting or surprising amends that you've made or had made to you um i guess well the most unique amends that i had to make was to a dog um the <laughs> so last cute. the last time i drank um i was dog sitting and as you can imagine, the last time I drank didn't go so well. So while I did end up back at the apartment where the dog was, I did not walk the dog for like probably a solid 24 hours because I couldn't like move. And so I had to make amends to the dog and I felt really bad that because like the dog couldn't walk itself. You know, she just had to hold her little pee pee in for like a whole fucking day. Um, so I brought her a treat. And I just sat and I, I just talked to her and I just said, Ida, I'm, I'm so sorry that I really wasn't able to show up for you the way you needed me to. And I take complete responsibility for that. And um, if I ever get the honor and the opportunity to care for you again, I promise that I'll, I'll show up and I'll do what's right by you no matter what. And Ida and I went on to be friends as we always were until, until the day she crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Which was not Whoa. that long ago. Oh my gosh, Ida! When you Dude, were there, did you take her out amends. every ten minutes? That's a better Wait, amends what? than most humans have made <laughs> to other humans. Yeah, fuck, I... I fuck them. They're trash. Dogs are great. <laughs> exactly. That's a beautiful amends, by the way. And also, like, if you're if you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, how should amends go versus an apology? Apologies, like, I'm sorry, you know. But like, um, uh oh, I did it again. Um, but in amends is um an amends is like exactly what you did like i i did a thing it cost you harm how can i make it right 
and um and here's a treat and here's a treat honestly yeah. that helps and uh so that to me is like a beautiful amends that you gave a better amends than most um people in uh, entertainment have given to people they have sexually assaulted <laughs> well they're bad people ah! i was a sick person trying to get well yeah, exactly not. it's different it's just but it just it blows my mind that we've never that we've never released the memo on the difference between an amends and uh and an apology to the greater population that's like i feel like we're now at a point in a society that we need to um all learn how to make an amends well on, on that note a, a member of the recovery community um made an amends to me we went to high school together and their amends was uh it was in the in the realm of of sexual assault not quite assault but just being gross in high school inappropriate yeah yes inappropriate and um yeah i mean i would say like borderline me too you know mm-hmm. um and so they made the amends and then like shortly thereafter like tried to put their hand on my leg under a table at the diner and so i just want to like psa that like if you're going to make amends to someone don't then do the thing you made amends for again because that's not the rule <laughs> exactly Anna, you gotta Anna's be grabbing her wall in her bedroom right i'm now. grabbing I'm a wall and I'm my bed my <laughs> at the same time i needed to brace myself to not scream yes you have to you have to be ready to be done doing the thing. You gotta uh, stop it. You gotta, you gotta be done doing the thing. You gotta, knock, thing. It off. You gotta, you gotta knock, knock it off. The thing that is the base level of making amends. Like I had a, I had a situation a couple of relationships ago. It was going south, and the way I was behaving was not becoming of my recovery. And my sponsor was like, "Get thee to a therapist, or never call me again." I've said it many times on this podcast, and I did. And uh, that was a very hard uh, situation to be in. And she would say to me, you're doing the amends. This is the work around the amends so you can be done with these behaviors. So mm. that that's the point of the previous steps is to become done with the behavior of playing grabby knee man under the table. Mm-hmm. What did you mm-hmm. say to him? Were you just like- I was just like, get your hands no. off me? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I was just like, no, no, you no. Broke, you should have broke his fucking fingers. You should have took no. one of his small fingers and should have broke. You should have broke it under the table. I can well, show next you how time, to do Next that. time. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I would just, be, I, I, there have been a lot of situations where I probably should have just punched somebody in the neck, but the words that came out of me were just, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's bananas. That is bananas. Thank you for that PSA. Uh, Don't do the thing still. Uh, (laughs) Knock it off. Yeah. You brought up earlier that you had a mentor and uh, that you have a spiritual practice of mindfulness. What does your day-to-day spiritual practice look like? Uh, Day-to-day. I wake up and then... So I have like a morning routine. That's good. And some of it might not sound that like spiritual, 
But I have found that. All right, so I'm really quick backtrack. Lay when out. I was when I was still using, I went on that trip that they send the young Jewish kids on called Birthright, where you get to go to Israel for ten days. And like the most powerful moment of that trip for me was when they took us to the mikveh, which is like a whole Jewish thing where the women are supposed to go after they menstruate to like cleanse themselves so that their husbands can have sex with them again. Um, but at the mikveh, there were these like old Jewish ladies and they were talking to us all about like relationships and love and sex and all this stuff. And they were like, every human being has four, call it like, four parts. There's the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, and the mental. And you have to decide which of those things is important to you. Like what's the most important to you? Like rank them, like find out like what is the most important to you and find a partner that exceeds in those areas. So like, like for me personally, like I think like emotional and mental are really important to me, more important than the other two. And I'm in a relationship where I feel very mentally and emotionally connected and and we're we waver a little bit on like physical and um spiritual we have different different approaches and it was in that moment when i was like oh my god like i want someone who's a 10 in every area and i feel like i'm a zero in every area um and now um and now i find that all the areas are truly like connected that you know when in a lot of recovery communities you know they tell you to work on the spiritual first and the rest will come after which i did find to be true and now as i progress in my recovery it feels like well the parts that came after i have to tend to them now or things start to go backwards um mm -hmm. so i take my meds every morning and i i i drink a full glass of water in the morning with a little bit of sea salt and fresh lemon juice my nutritionist says that's that kind of kickstarts your metabolism for the day and um then i have breakfast before coffee because that helps my blood sugar not to spike and my energy levels stay more constant during the day and then when i have my coffee it varies like if you know What's that song from the 90s? Like, and I feel so much depends on the weather. <laughs> like, I feel so much depends on the weather. Because um, if that it's Pearl like. Pearl Jam? I think it was Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. That was, was a Pearl it? Jam song. I yeah, it was. I think it's like. You did some the voice other... and everything. Listen to your elders. It was Pearl Jam. I don't believe your elder. But you guys say I said how old I was, so you must know. Um. So like yeah, Anna it's like, prides herself in being the 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 old fucking sage of the podcast. <laughs> ah, I do a little bit. I do. I She's do. Like, it's like, no, getting... I'm older than you, but no, I look younger. Than you. <laughs> that's that's yeah, the thing honestly, I got from my grandma. Yeah, kind of rude. To be <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> yeah, she's got the filter covering up the gray hairs. Yeah. <laughs> so if. I was going to say if it's nice out, but if there is weather outside that I would enjoy being with, I will sit outside on the balcony with my coffee and just meditate and or journal. Mm -hmm. um, and if there is not weather outside that I feel like I want to be a part of, then I will sit in my office here and journal or meditate or both. Like my ideal morning has a meditation and a journaling, but, you know, life is imperfect and so am I. So it's not always like that. And then I, I put on this, I'm, <clears throat> there it is again. Um, I put on this 
this meeting that I like to go to at 10 a.m. It's every day and it's a women's meeting and I won't tell you which fellowship um, because it's a secret and you can't come. Um, but it's really, um, I find it to be such an inspirational place to start my day because the focus of the meeting is really like, how are you taking care of yourself in your recovery today? And like mm -hmm. at the end of the meeting, there's just like popcorn sharing of like, you know, people saying like, well, I'm going to drink water. I'm going to exercise and um, I'm going to quit my job, you know, like whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. is their stuff for that day. And I just find so much power in that and knowing that like all these other women are out there just, you know, taking care of themselves. And then, yeah, I, I try to exercise every day for about, 20 to 30 minutes, if not more, but at least 20 minutes, because my my physical well-being and my emotional and my spiritual and my mental, they're all connected. And um, yeah, I, I go to meetings. I, I have like a lot of people that help me stay on the beam, so to speak. You know, I have a therapist, I have a sponsor, I have a fiance who's been sober for 16 years. I have friends in and out of recovery who like really support just healthy living and and you know my well-being specifically because they saw me you know not what's the opposite of well-being bad being unwell insanity that's mm. the yeah it's the it's the unmanageability it's, it's low maintenance yeah yeah oh god was i low maintenance <laughs> <laughs> Like lower companions, but low maintenance. Yeah, see, that to me makes a little bit more sense. Calling yourself low maintenance to describe not taking care of yourself. Yeah. I did yeah. a low amount of maintenance. I did. Minimal maintenance. Yeah, and then I guess there's always just the practice to go back to forgiveness. Is like, I part of my spiritual practice is also to like forgive myself if I fuck all those things up one day. Yeah. You know, like, cause some days, like, I I always take my meds and pretty much do my morning stuff. But like, okay, so maybe I had like a cheeseburger and I didn't work out and I just watched Breaking Bad and I stayed up too late. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna forgive myself and I'm gonna go inside and find out um, what part of me is freaking out in a way that requires cheeseburgers and staying up too late. Yeah. Um. And then I and then I love that part until it feels better, and then we have a salad. Yeah, I love that. And that takes like I, I don't know for me when I'm <laughs> able to get to that place. One of the spiritual side effects for me is a better relationship with my higher power. For some mm. reason, it's like when I get into that place where I'm like, stop denying that some part of myself needs to be loved. Mm -hmm. um, I find I find. Uh, that it's just easier to have that communication, that direct communication with with whatever is out there. What what is your relationship with your higher power like today? Confusing. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like um, early on, I might have been some level of like psychotic, maybe. Like I had a lot of like very weird acid trips right before I got sober because I was like seeking, I wanted yeah. like answers. And my way of doing that when I was using was psychedelics. I thought, well, they'll have the answers. Sure. I don't, yeah. don't know why that's, that's a thing, but I did. And, but I did always notice that like when I was 
tripping like it seemed like there were all these signs of like things that I needed to pay attention to um like one time I was tripping and like I I was in a city and like all of the lights just looked like penises I know that seems Fair funny enough. but Fair like enough. later on I had like a lot of sexual trauma to hear, heal and like a lot of mm -hmm. stuff to work out. And so it was like this very like funny, hippy dippy, druggy way of like mm -hmm. my brain and this world that acid puts you into communicating that like you need to look at your relationship to all the penises around you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in early recovery, I felt like I was kind of in like this weird acid trip where like it was like the Wizard of Oz, you know, like all of a sudden the person I needed would just pop up on the yellow brick road. And like it was it was a lot of like signs and stuff early on. It felt like but I don't know, like I I have a firm belief that any given person's higher power will communicate with them in a language they can understand. Yeah. And so I think at that time, that was what I could understand because I had some concept of like another world that I couldn't see, you know, every day um, that I had gone to only on drugs. And that was how that world operated. And and so that was like what I could perceive at that time. Now, sometimes I feel I'm like staring out into the sky and looking at a tree and being like, I know you're out there somewhere, higher power. Um, <laughs> I wish that you would just come talk to me like a regular person, you fucking elusive freak. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. Yeah, it's it's complicated. I, like you said earlier, Anna, like I know something is out there. I've had experiences that I cannot explain any other way. And um, and I just I have a connection to that little a little voice inside of me yeah um you know like my spiritual practice has been a lot about listening for my intuition and and like trusting it and taking it seriously um and that's like an everyday battle for me because yeah. sometimes my intuition tells me stuff like right now um i have at that decision I have to make that I told you about, which is about like, basically like about what I want to do next in my career. And my intuition is saying to take a direction that is scary because the, the it involves a lot of unknown, mm -hmm. you know, and I have a safe option over here, but safe feels uncomfortable. It's confusing. But like my, my intuition, which is like my, I feel like it's like my little, it's like whatever little light comes down from God that's meant for me, it comes through there, comes through my intuition. And it's like, Hey, this is what the angels said. They said you should do this. And I'm like, okay, well tell them that's fucking terrifying, you know? <laughs> and, um, and, and then it's like, just trust us. And I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that, and that's pretty much what it's like. It's like I get nudged or here's one. You asked me about my character defects 
and I told you how I have trouble like advocating for myself. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm a freelance writer and I have two clients this month who didn't pay their fucking invoices on time. So that means big girl Pam has to say, hi, excuse me, um, you didn't pay your invoice on time and I am owed this amount of money. And that's very hard for me to do. And so my relationship with my higher power is very much like that. It's like when you pray for patience to get a long line and that, mm-hmm. that kind of mumbo jumbo stuff that's annoyingly true. <laughs> I love it. We did it. We did it. We is that got 12 questions? End. Yeah. The, well, the 12th wow. is coming. The oh. 12th is the final question. Pam, what would you tell someone just like you in the world listening right now? Uh, just like me now or just like me before I got sober? Either or. Well, if it was just like me before I got sober, I would say... Listen to the little voice inside you. And if it was a person like me now, I guess I would say the same thing. So listen to the little voice inside you. Um, Especially if it's telling you to eat cheese. Especially if it's telling you to eat cheese. Yeah, I'll I'll sing one more song for you, but I'm not going to sing it. And but like, do you guys listen to the Indigo Girls? Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. you know. That song, Closer to Fine. I don't listen to the Indigo Girls, but I know the popular songs. And it's like one of the lines is like, darkness has a hunger that's insatiable. It's probably your cheese voice, Dave. And lightness has a call that's hard to hear. And I just find that to be very true because like my dark, the dark side of me, like, oh my God, she can eat so much cheese and nothing will get solved, but she will keep going. Yeah. But listen for the lightness. And you have to get quiet and you have to clear out the clutter and um, and just be like really open, open to hearing it. I love it. And then maybe even try to take its advice, but one step at a time. I love it. I love it. Pam, you're a delight. Thanks. And this is my cat, Gumbo. <gasps> Gumbo! <laughs> What a floof. Oh my gosh. Um, well, she yeah. To be on the podcast. Well, she's here. How can people <laughs> uh, reach you and Gumbo um, and all the things that you're doing? If you would like to be reached. That's a good question. Um, how can they reach me? I guess they can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Insta underscore Pam. I love it. So Instapam. Instapam. Yeah. yeah, and just men message me if you want to chat about anything or yeah. nothing. Yeah. Dave, how can people find you? You can find me in all the things at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy. Uh, you can order hot sauce from me if you want to support HaHaHotSauce.com. Yay! And how you can find me in this podcast, you can find me at Anna Via's Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com uh, for show dates. We're getting back out there, ladies and gentlemen. And Ooh, um, the comedies. Y- yes. And uh, you can also, I do uh, host a show that's going monthly uh, for me. It's like once a week now, but it will be monthly. It'll be on Tuesdays. Um, and it is called self-care comedy. Uh, if you're the type of human who doesn't like to go to comedy clubs and you just want the comedy to come to you, 
through the Zooms. We're going to continue doing that because we found there's a lot of people that don't want to deal with the hassle of leaving their house. Um, so yes, come out to that. Go to Naked Comedy for info on that. And how you can find this podcast is you can find us at 12Q Pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Gmail, all the things. We got a listener question and keep those listener questions coming. And uh, we are very, very excited uh, to get them and just to hear from you guys. And thank you guys for the feedback on some of our audio stuff. I really appreciate that. And, um, and we just love how much you care about the podcast and how we end this podcast every time. Pam is, uh, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Pam. Oh, I love you too. Love you. And Dave, if you're listening to this or I can't <laughs> yep, talk. Nope. I am not listening. You're this on the, the podcast. Yeah. This is the you're... part I stopped listening. Yes. This is the part. Okay. Dave. If nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you. Yes. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, everybody. Thanks we for love listening. You. Bye. 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 Bye.